ahead and turn your Bibles this morning to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. Let me say that uh, I've got a few folks not with us this morning that are sick. And I uh, pray for them. Brother Jim is sick. Sister Rosa is sick. She just got back from Colorado and now she's sick. So pray for them. Several folks need your prayers this morning. It's good to see uh, Brother Charles and Sister Francis back this morning. Amen. Good to see them. I mentioned this Wednesday night, I uh, was going to mention it during announcements, but just failed to do that. Uh, pray for Brother Bill Harrison. He fell again this week, and he was in the hospital from Monday to Friday, and now he's back in the Blue Roof Rehab, and uh, and that, that's hard on him. He, this is probably the seventh or eighth time he's fell, it seems like, just since I've been here even, he's fell three or four or five times. So pray for Brother Bill. He, he really, really, really needs your prayers this morning. Amen. And, and it's our duty as a church to pray for our brothers and sisters. Even though they're not able to attend, it's still our duty to pray. So 1 Kings chapter 18 this morning, if you'll stand to honor the reading of God's Word. 1 Kings chapter 18, and we're going to read verses 20 through 24. If you're there, please say amen. amen. The Bible says this. It says, So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came and all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks. And let them choose one bullet for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood, and put no fire under it. And I will dress the other bullet, and lay it on the wood, and put no fire under. And ye call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be here. God, I just pray that you would bless each one that's here for their effort of coming. Lord, I just pray that you would protect us. God, give us safety from this awful thing that's among us. God, I just pray that you would, Lord, use me as your vessel. God, that you would just touch me and, Lord, use me as, as unworthy as I am. And, Lord, that your word would go out. And, Lord, I pray that you would just speak to people through the, the message, God, and let us see what the truth of your word has to say today. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Seems like it's been a couple of weeks since I've been up here. And a few weeks ago, I preached on Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you all remember that. And I talked about how the, the, the pagan nation was trying to get them to bow down to idolatry. And here in this story, this is a few hundred years preceding Daniel and his friends, we find a man whose name is Elijah. Now if you go to 1 Kings chapter 17, I'm going to give you just a little background on Elijah. That he appears out of nowhere. Uh, it wasn't that God just created him for this purpose, but God's people... We're doing things that we're not pleasing to God. And then all of a sudden, in 1 Kings chapter 17, a man named Elijah shows up. 
Now, if you go to a Jew today and you ask him and you say, what is this man Elijah? They'll probably tell you that he was one of the greatest prophets, if not the greatest prophet that ever lived among the children of Israel. But he shows up in, in 1 Kings chapter 17, and by the time you get to 2 Kings chapter 2, he's gone. He only appears in the Bible for seven chapters. But during that seven chapters, he does some things that we don't see anybody else in his time do. And so we arrive here in 1 Kings chapter 18, and I threw you in right in the middle of a story. I threw you right in the middle of a story that, that Elijah is challenging a group of people. Now if you go back and, and again lay in some background to 1 Kings chapter 16, you'll find a man named Ahab. And Ahab was introduced in this scripture. And this man Ahab was the king of Israel. Now one would think, just knowing a little bit about the Bible and, and, and anything about God's character, that if you're the king of God's people, that you should be probably a morally upstanding person. Wouldn't you say amen? That, that if you're in charge of God's people, that there are probably some expectations, probably some things that you are to be doing or not to be doing. But yet this man Ahab is described in 1 Kings chapter 16 verse 30 as this, and I'll just read it to you. It says this, And Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. Verse 33 goes on to say this. It says, And Ahab made a grove... And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. Now this man had taken over just because his father was the king. And that's, that's how it worked. You were just in succession to your father. But it said that this man did more to anger God than any king had done before him. Now what do you think that Ahab had done to upset God in such a fashion that, that we would have to write down that he, was, he had did more evil than anybody? And it was this. Ahab did something, and, and this will go out to so, so maybe some of you younger folks, some of you folks that are not married. Ahab married a lady named Jezebel. Now, I don't know about you, but being raised out in the country and being raised over in White County, when, when we found some, uh, uh, maybe a lady of, of, of ill reputation, my mother had, had a, an idea and she would say, well, that Jezebel. Has anybody ever heard that? Anybody? Maybe, maybe I'm the only one. Cecil's heard it and some of you have. But they, they would describe a lady as, as that Jezebel. And so what, what they were referring to is the fact that this woman was just flat out evil. Now she was not one of God's chosen people. She was not of the tribe of, of any tribe. She was not part of Israel at all. She was a pagan. And Ahab had married this woman and then he did something. See, it's very important that we understand that who you yoke yourself to is, is just as important as your personal relationship with God. Can you say amen? Young folks in here, you should understand that who you marry is, is, is utterly and vitally important. Because Ahab did not convert this woman to Judaism or to follow God, but in fact this woman Jezebel had converted the king of God's people to serve a person named Baal. And so now we have Elijah, we have Ahab, and we have Jezebel, and now we have Baal, the person that they worshipped. And I'm laying a foundation to get to the message this morning. It's that Jezebel being a, being a woman that was pagan, being a woman that did not serve God, she served this, this, this little G-God named Baal. 
And what Baal did, or what they thought that Baal did, is they thought that if you worshipped Baal, that he would send rain. And that he would send fertility upon the ground. And that your crops would do well. And that, and that you would have a great harvest. And that you could then take this harvest and then honor Baal with the harvest that he had given you. And that is the reason that they serve Baal. And so the children of Israel thought, hey, you know, that's not that bad. That, that makes a lot of sense. Hey, why don't we serve one who can send us good things? Why don't we serve someone who can send us this rain? And maybe if we worship him, then he'll send us what we need. But you have to remember, these are God's people. These are the people that knew that God had brought them out of Egypt, that God had given them the promised land, that God had put them exactly where they were, and so they started to worship Baal. But this was not the first time they had done that. They turned to Baal in Judges chapter 2 and worshipped him for a little while, and God had to punish them, and God had to purge that from him. And so here they are again, worshipping this little g-god, Baal. And said, I, so I said all that to say this, that Elijah shows up in, second, or in 1 Kings chapter 17. And the first thing that you see Elijah do is he sends word to Ahab. And you know what he says? He says, it's not going to rain until I say it rains. This man did not have any background. We don't know where he came from or who he was. But we know that he had the authority of God on him. And God sent him to the king to say, it is not going to rain. Now that was an, a message to Ahab because who was he worshiping? Anybody remember? The God of what, Tanner? God of rain, right? You're paying attention, ain't you, brother? And so Elijah said, it's not going to rain. He said, I'm going to show you what your little g-god can do which is nothing and so for three years it doesn't rain now I don't I want you to imagine that, that the place they're already in it's a desert place it's dry not a whole lot going on it doesn't already rain for nine months out of the year it only rains for three months and then Elijah says it's not going to rain when it's supposed to and everything dries up and so we get to first Kings chapter 18 and they find Elijah and Ahab tracks him down, and Elijah says, we're going to go ahead and we're going to settle this. And so we see, as, as we read here, that Ahab, in verse 20, sent to all the children of Israel that he called everybody together. And he said, we're going to settle this once and for all. And Elijah gets in front of the people, and he stands up, and he says, and Elijah came into all the people and said, how long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. Now I'm going to stop right here. We're going to take a time out. We're going to talk about this for a few minutes. It seems strange to me that these people who knew all these things about God, who supposedly served Jehovah God, would be so quick to turn to an idol. And they did it, I believe, simply because it's what the leadership said to do. Well, hey, the guy in, the guy in Jerusalem, the, the leader of the, the nation, says that we are to serve Baal. And so if we, if we don't, then we may be punished, and so we had better do that. Does that sound like any narrative you're familiar with today? Anybody? It, it, it seems like that our leadership, no matter who it is, is, is saying, hey, we need to do this. 
and we need to do that and we need to, to serve this or we need to serve that. And it seems like that folks are so willing to just turn their back on God. Anybody see that besides me? Folks are so quick to just say, hey, you know what? I think I'm just going to go with the status quo and, and do whatever is popular. Do whatever everybody else is doing. And so Elijah said that it was just two opinions. On this side you have Baal, the god of rain, and then on this side you have God. Now it's interesting to me that, that we note that, that Elijah's name means that Jehovah is God. That's what Elijah's name actually means. So Elijah is wanting to settle this once and for all and settle this and say, hey, we're going to do this. We're just going to set up these sacrifices and if Baal answers, then we'll serve him. Now you think Elijah knew that, that Baal was not going to answer? I believe he did. I believe that he knew in the bottom of his heart that Baal could do absolutely nothing. And so he challenges these men. He challenges these prophets and we see that Elijah says this. He says in verse 22, Then Elijah said unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. And I believe that this is one of the things that we feel like sometimes is that, that we'll get isolated you ever, you ever go to work or, or do whatever you're doing or maybe some of you younger folks, you go to school and you feel like that everybody around you is doing their own thing and, and sometimes you're the only one sitting where you're sitting that's serving God. You ever felt like that before? I feel like that. I see Mason nodding his head and, and Mason is a student at Tech out here just down the road a little ways and, and I can completely understand that, that that a lot of times it seems like universities and, and are they're, they're pushing a world agenda, they're pushing a liberal view. Wouldn't you say that? And it, se it seems like that sometimes you go places and, and you're the only one that seems to be serving God at that particular moment. And what the devil does when you get in that, in that position, the devil will just seemingly magnify that. And he'll, he'll put it in your mind to say, hey, you know what, everybody else is doing it, you might as well too. But Elijah would have no part of it. So we see that the people were, were serving this idol. But Elijah was one man. He said, I'm the only one in this whole nation that's even serving God. He said, but in spite of that fact, you know what I'm going to do? I'm still going to serve God. And as I look around, and, and I, it seems like that, that churches, and, and even during this pandemic, that a lot of churches are getting smaller and smaller and smaller, right? I, I mean, I've looked around in Putnam County. I know a lot of preachers here in Putnam County whose, whose churches are just, are just dwindling down to pretty much nothing. I talked to a preacher yesterday on the phone, and he was going to, to preach at a church that doesn't have a pastor. And I said, well, how's that church doing? And he said, they got six people left. And, and that's, they're just this in pitiful shape. And I know that a lot of that's because I know from personal experience that this church has had young people and has had folks just, just go back out into the world and turn their back on God. But you have to understand that no matter what's going on around you, no matter who says that it's a good idea, that you still stand and serve God no matter what. And Elijah was going to do that. And Elijah had a message from God. And so we arrive at Mount Carmel. 
We arrive at this place, it's just a, a blip on the map at this time. Nothing significant had ever happened here really in the Bible until Elijah shows up that day and makes the challenge to Ahab. He says, bring everybody that you have and we're, we're going to do this. Now, now this is something that, that I generally don't try to do, but he said, we're going to put God to the test. He said that, that if, if God doesn't answer, then we will not serve him. And so we see all these people show up and they're excited about this challenge. Let's read on. If you have your Bibles, you can follow me. If not, just, just listen real close. In verse 25, and it says, And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves and dress it first. For ye are many, and call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon, Elijah mocked them. Elijah must have had a sense of humor. And he said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he he is talking or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awaked. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass when midday was past, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that there was neither voice, nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. And so all day long, we see these people attempt to call upon the name of Baal. Now Elijah could have said right there, See, I told you, and I knew that he was not going to answer. And it surprises me in this text that these people were willing to serve someone who was not going to answer. See, I want you to understand that these people had been serving Baal for hundreds of years. The children of Israel might not have, but the Canaanites were. And they were serving Baal, and they were serving Baal's wife. I don't even remember her name. And they were serving all these gods. And yet these gods had done what for them? Absolutely nothing. And yet the children of Israel, again, they had seen God, uh, the God, Jehovah God, do so much and yet they turned their back on him. Let me ask you a question. Has God ever done anything for you? Absolutely he has. I know he has. I've seen God do stuff in people's life just while I've been here. I've heard stories about things that God has done for people. And, and at that time, they would be so strong in faith, and they would admit, and they would declare, hey, God did this for me. And they would shout, and they would worship. But yet, sometimes we're so quick to forget what God has done for us. We're so quick to turn to other things, and they are things that will not amount to anything for us. Things that will not take us anywhere and, and especially will not, will not send fire down for us when we call upon Him. And so Elijah knows that. And he says, hey, talk a little louder. And, and sometimes in, in my own little sense of humor, I just want to say that to the world. Hey, you can do this. You can worship all you want to, but it's not going to do you any good whatsoever. 
Why don't you just call upon God? I wonder that so often as a preacher and as a Christian, why people can't see that that serving the world and serving idols and serving other things is getting them nowhere quick. It's not taking them anywhere. So Elijah, he says, you know what? We could stop right here. We could could say your God didn't do anything. He said, but we're going to finish the task. We're going to do what we came here to do. So we've seen Elijah stand. And Elijah says this. Let's read on in verse 30. It says, And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, Fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, Do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, Do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran round about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near, and this is his prayer. Listen to this prayer. It says, Let it be known this day. Or he said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant. And then I have done all these things that thy word hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art Lord God, and that thou hast turned their back, their heart back again. And so he prays this prayer, just a few words. And he says this. It's very important that we pray this. See, I want people to serve the Lord, don't you? I want my family, the the lost people in my family, to serve the Lord. I've got an uncle I was telling Jim Maddox about before church. He's he's 85 years old and he's lost. And I want him to know the Lord. And we tell him and we tell him and we tell him. And he just don't seem to listen. He, He knows. And I have many lost people in my family and so do you, no doubt. And And Elijah wasn't really doing this just because he thought it was a good idea. See, Elijah was genuinely concerned about the people of God. Elijah had it in his heart that these were his brothers and sisters and that he had seen them gone astray from God. And he said, hey, we've got to get this straightened out because because you've got to serve God. And so Elijah prays this prayer. And he doesn't glorify himself. He doesn't say, hey, you know, show me that I'm something or or show them that I've done something today. You know what he said in his prayer? He says, show them yourself, God. And so my prayer needs to be this, that when I go tell somebody that they need to be serving God, that, that they don't see me, that they don't see anything that I have, but that they see God. Because if I try to get somebody to serve God through my attributes or what I have, it's no good for anything. Would you say amen? 
But yet when we, when we tell people about God, we should pray that God would show himself and that he would be glorified. And so we read on, and very quickly I'll read just a couple of more verses and, and we're almost done. Verse 38, it says, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And so after Elijah had prayed this prayer that the fire of God fell down from heaven, I, I imagine it in my mind just maybe like a, maybe like a comet or something or coming down out of the sky and it hits this and just consumes everything, takes the bull, the water, the stones, and even the dust and just vaporizes every single bit of it. And the people see it and it strikes fear into their heart. They see the power of God. They see what could be coming to them if they don't turn back to God. Now I want to say this, that, that these people had sort, sort of a foreshadow of what the judgment of God can be. And I think we see a little bit, just we have maybe a little bitty taste of what the judgment of God could be right now. Do you see that? We have, we have just a little bit of a taste of what's coming one of these days. And we see that, that things are like they have never been. And we see the power of God being manifested right now. And I would just like to take it and say that, that if we see that power and see what's going on, why would you not want to serve God? Why would you not want to, to, to serve Him? Why would you serve anything else? And so the people see this and it strikes fear into their heart. And when the people saw it, they fell on their faces. They were literally too scared to even raise their head up and look up because they were afraid that God might strike them next. And it said they fell on their faces. And they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And what's Elijah's name? The Lord is Jehovah, right? God is Jehovah. And Elijah said to them, take the prophets of Baal and let not one of them escape. And they took them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. We see this story, and it's not just a story. I believe that this is the truth. I believe that this is a true event that happened, that this is not just a parable that was told, but this is something that actually happened. And that God's people had turned their back. And yet, you know what God did? He gave them another chance. See, the beautiful thing about it is that God is merciful. God is willing to say, hey, I'll take you back. If you've, if you've turned your back on me, just, just destroy that. Do away with it. It's important that we know that Elijah had those prophets of Baal slain. There was a reason for that, to eradicate Baal's name from among the people of God. He didn't want that evil thing even mentioned among the people of God. And God, again, sees these people fall on their faces and they declare because of the power of God, the Lord, He is God. And they had this, Elijah had this great victory that day, not in himself, but because of God. And I would hope that we as a church serve God fully. I hope that we've turned nothing into little idols and, and we've not started worshiping other things. But you, you have to understand, these were God's people. 
We're not talking about the pagans here. We're not talking about the Canaanites or, or Jezebel and her people. We're talking about that God's people had served other things. And I want you to just take a, a quick, maybe a quick examination of your life this morning and think, am I serving God with everything or am I maybe serving other things? Because if there's ever been a time that it's going to be important to be serving God, it's right now. It's today. I know that, that you may not have served Him the rest of your life, but you need to be serving Him right now. Why? Because the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. You should be serving God today. And the wonderful thing about it is, is that you may have served other gods. You may be doing other things. You may be trying to do it on your own. But God is so merciful that He will say, Hey, I will give you a chance today to serve me. Now, I would have to believe that if these people would have not served God, if they wouldn't have fell on their faces, God might have sent the next fireball to them. I don't know. But God gave them an opportunity. And God is giving you an opportunity. Brother Cecil Let's pray. Father, we love you. And Lord, I thank you for your word this morning. God, I thank you for the story of Elijah. And God, I thank you for the stand that he took. And God, for the Christian folks here this morning. God, I just pray that, that they would be willing to stand up. That even though there's evil, even though things are, are, are not necessarily the best right now, that, God, that we would just stand up and serve you. Lord, that we would point to you that everything that we do would glorify you. But, God, on the flip side of that, Lord, I just pray that you would deal with those people this morning that may not serve God. Lord, that may not even know you this morning. God, I just pray that you would deal with their hearts. Lord, that you would just let them know that you are a merciful God. And Lord, that you're willing to spare them the judgment that they deserve. God, I just pray that you would remind someone that, of that this morning. Lord, I just pray that you would bless this invitation. And God, that you would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen.